Jesus. And so now we open our hearts to your word, to us, Lord. We know you long to speak to each and every one of us this morning, in fact, wherever we are on the journey. Bless Jody as she comes to share with us now, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Church, we are really blessed to have Pastor Jody coming to share God's word with us. For those of you who don't know Jody, I know most of you do, but she leads our bridge care ministry. Um, caring for many people across that community. Those two and a half thousand hampers, Jody coordinated that. It's amazing. I don't know how you do that, Jody, but incredible what she does. Can we welcome her as she comes to share with us? Let me tell you, it is a great team and Jesus is amazing. Um, that is how hampers happen. Church, it is great to be here with you this morning. I am just a bit blown away. At the eight o'clock service, there was a lady who came to church for the first time and she knew me from high school. In Gympie, how about that? If you are watching from Gympie today, we just wanna give you a shout out and say you are so welcome to be here. Amazing, 30 years. I hope that means I haven't changed at all. (laughs) Not sure it does. I would love, we are looking at this Christmas, this incredible Christmas story in this sermon series, and I would love you just to soak in and hear the Gospel of Luke's account again of Jesus' birth. From Luke chapter two. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Saviour, yes, the Messiah, The Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby 
lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Let's bow in prayer. Jesus, your word is incredible to us. And I pray now, God, that you would come and reveal your heart for us in this story. Reveal who you are, more of who you are to us, your people here today. And I pray, God, that we'd receive it in the faith and the joy of these shepherds. In Jesus' name, amen. I've mentioned before that I teach RI to grade four just here at Albany Creek State School. And it is beautiful to share this story with, with these kids. Um, many of whom are unfamiliar with this story. Actually, for many of these kids, RI at the end of the year is the only opportunity they get to hear and know the Christmas story. So just two weeks ago, I was telling them about the shepherds being the first to hear this news of Jesus being born. And one of the boys in the front row shot his hand straight up. And can I tell you, it takes a lot of wisdom and discernment to know whether you should answer those hands that go up when you haven't asked a question because you never know where those hands could take you, where those comments could take you. But I was feeling brave this day and I said, yes, a question. And this boy said, these shepherds who came to see Jesus, were they German shepherds? It took me a moment to work out whether the question was some kind of confusion with the wise men who came from the East, maybe shepherds from Germany, or maybe it was a mix up with the modern images of shepherding that we have where sheep dogs are more likely to be the ones herding sheep than people. Um, but I was very glad we had the opportunity to settle that point and clarify that these shepherds were local shepherds from Bethlehem and they were real people, not dogs, looking after the sheep on the job that night. There is never a dull moment in RI, and it is a great opportunity to share this incredible story. This is love, that God would send Jesus out of the glory and power and position of heaven to be born as a helpless little baby to an ordinary poor family in the back blocks of Jerusalem, right here in Judea. It is recorded so simply and plainly here, but so incredible for us to try and understand that God would go to these lengths to show us his love for us is just incredible. Maybe this story is so familiar to you that you've forgotten how incredible it is. Maybe you've stopped being amazed 
at the wonder and awe of the most amazing event that has ever taken place in the whole history of the world. And maybe you've never stopped to wonder why this most amazing message was first told to shepherds. Have you ever thought about that? When Mary gives birth to this little baby, it was good news that heaven could not contain. Was it an accident that the heavens opened and the angels appeared at just the place where the shepherds happened to be? Let me tell you, church, God is far more intentional than that. Far more intentional than letting the best news of all of history be accidentally stumbled across. Was it because God knew that this story would be retold year after year and that little people would make really cute shepherds in nativity plays? Have a look at this. My children are 16 and 18 now. Oh, they would never dress up like that now, let me tell you. But um, pillowcases and tea towels go a long way when it comes to shepherd costumes for nativity. Um, But I know that you know that that was not God's intention for having the shepherds there that night. So why did God choose the shepherds? Andrew mentioned last week that Luke positions Jesus' birth in the context of Roman rule and this Roman authority. At the outset of this story, he mentions this decree made by Augustus. This was an emperor, an empire, who thought this emperor had all dominion and power and control over everything. This emperor was called the son of God. In contrast to Jesus, you know, the birth of a new emperor would have been good news that was heralded throughout the empire. All the important people would have been told about it. And it is into this world, into this culture, that God sends his son Jesus to be born. Not into position or power in any earthly sense. In a completely opposing picture to this Roman empire, God's own son is born into a poor family without the power, influence or money to be found in anything more than an animal shed. There was no royal herald dispatched throughout the empire to announce this good news. Good news of a king actually being born. But there was an impressive announcement by the heavens, wasn't there? It sounds so incredible. A host of heavenly angels declaring the good news and glorious praise of this baby who was born. The angels didn't appear to emperors or kings. They didn't even appear to the Jewish priests in the temple. They didn't come for the Jewish upper classes or any upper classes. The angels appeared with this message of good news to the most ordinary of all people in society at this time. Humble, simple shepherds in a field outside of Bethlehem. These were the ones who were witness to this incredible proclamation of heaven. 
And it happened just in the middle of an ordinary night looking after their sheep. You know, sometimes God wants to reveal himself to us when we least expect it, right? Right in the middle of our ordinary mundane lives. The Bible is full of stories of extraordinary encounters with God, which often came in the midst of ordinary life for ordinary people. This message of good news, of joy and peace and salvation and hope is not just for some, it's for everyone. And the least of people matter in God's kingdom. Jesus came to shake this worldly view of what and who is important upside down, church. He came to turn it upside down. The people who are first in the kingdom are not who we expect. Little children are the models of how we are to receive this kingdom. In stark contrast to Rome, God enters humanity in simple humility and appears to those who would not be put off by it. I am still in awe of God over those 2,500 hampers being packed and given away. We had so many requests come in after our nominations closed church that we actually ordered another 100 hampers. So if you have a burning desire and know someone who needs one, please come and see me today. We would love to bless these people. But you know, I just know that these hampers carry good news and hope for people who are often forgotten and overlooked in our society. People who are hurting and broken and poor and downtrodden. They matter to God. As we've heard stories this week of little children being overjoyed and excited at this gift from strangers, it speaks of God's care for them. They matter as we hear of stories of people who didn't have any food until their next payday and a hamper arrives. They matter to God. This is God's heart and I know he loves that when we, his body, in this community, engage in things that touch people who may have been overlooked by this world, but they absolutely matter to him. This is costly for us and it takes effort to do it, but it is absolutely God's heart and we are absolutely meant to keep going with this task to love people that he's called us to love, to show his love to. Jesus came in a way that intentionally connects with ordinary people. Hear that this morning. People who don't have to be anything other than their most ordinary selves to receive this incredible message of good news for all people. That is good news for us, isn't it? And if you were trying to be someone or something for God to impress him or get him to like you or notice you, you can let go of that this morning. Be free of it and know that his love reaches you right where you are in your ordinariness. The simple humility of the shepherds to receive this news is powerful in this story. But 
there's even more to unpack and uncover as we hear of this message being given to the shepherds. The mere mention of Bethlehem and the city of David is really Luke, I think, here, and God through Luke, trying to connect us into this deeper theme that runs through the Bible of a shepherd king who would come. The vocation of shepherd was not generally viewed highly in ancient times, but never in the Bible is it discredited or put down. The image of shepherd is a powerful one. Think about this, shepherds essentially leave the comfort of their human homes to be with their sheep in their natural environment. You could say that shepherds lay aside their rights and dignities as humans to live among sheep. Sheep are totally dependent on their shepherd to provide everything they need. Can you see the connection here as Jesus becomes one of us? And in compassion and love takes on the experience of life as we know it and leads us into life, the fullness of life in him. I just wonder if maybe the shepherds were the one closest to this idea of incarnation because they knew what it was to give up their life for their sheep that they were the ones who could begin to grasp by why God would come to earth in this way. The role of shepherd is commonly used to describe God and the way he interacts with us. We know that sheep are dependent on their shepherd. The shepherd provides their food and water and rest and shelter We know from King David's stories as a shepherd that he fought off lions and bears to protect his sheep. We know that good shepherds go after lost sheep, don't we? The role of shepherd here is most familiar to the shepherds of this time. The prophets of the Old Testament tell us that God was angry with the leaders of his people who did not shepherd well. It was a problem in their history, a problem that God kept pointing out through the prophets. We read about this in Ezekiel 34. He says this, therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, you abandoned my flock and left them to be attacked by every wild animal. And though you were my shepherds, you didn't search for my sheep when they were lost. You took care of yourselves and left the sheep to starve. That was a warning to the leaders of God's people. There were many like this. And then right through scripture, there was this promise of a shepherd king who would come from the line of David, the great shepherd king, that God would come and be their shepherd. Ezekiel 34 goes on to describe what this good shepherd would be like. He says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace as the sovereign Lord. I will search for my lost ones who who strayed away 
and I will bring them safely home again. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak. That is a promise for some people here today. And you know, maybe these passages of God as shepherd so resonated and connected to these shepherds of Bethlehem who lived the reality of this promise that God would be the one who would come as shepherd king. Maybe they looked at the world around them and the the leaders over them and longed every day for the fulfillment of these promises that a good shepherd would come to restore his people that a good shepherd would come to gently lead the people he loved. Jesus himself reveals to us that he is this good shepherd. In John 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. And the shepherds knew this, I think, knew this from the promises they'd held onto, that right from the moment of of Jesus' birth, this promised shepherd king had finally arrived. They recognized the hope in the message of the angels that this little baby held for all people. Incredible. The shepherds were the ones to receive this message and pass it on. The shepherd king was here. And you know, I was amazed by this as I was researching for this sermon this week. And and often as we read God's word and as we prepare for messages like this, we get the opportunity to dig deeper into the cultural context of where this is written. And I came across this incredible um, concept that scholars have put out there about this passage and these shepherds. It referred to a prophecy in the book of Micah made 700 years before Jesus' birth. And it was a promise to Bethlehem. Have a listen to this. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. Then at last his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their own land and he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Then his people will live there undisturbed for he will be highly honored around the world and he will be the source of peace. This prophecy for 700 years directed specifically at Bethlehem. Like I wonder, growing up in Bethlehem, how many times this was repeated over and over. It had special significance for these shepherds of Bethlehem who could relate to the shepherd king coming to tend his flock, to draw it in. Even the fact that it mentions this woman in labor giving birth. They were tuned into this, primed to receive this message the angels heralded. And then there was something else in this 
in this prophecy of Micah that referenced a tower of the flock. In the Hebrew, it is called Migdal Eda. And this place where the shepherds looked after their flock in Bethlehem could well have been the place where the Jewish lambs were raised for temple sacrifice. The Jewish Talmud details specific sacrificial regulations about the lambs to be used in the Jewish temple. They had to be born and raised within five miles of Jerusalem and without blemish or spot to be an acceptable sacrifice. And this reference in Micah to the tower of the flock is a reference to the shepherds who would look after these sheep. Bethlehem was within that five miles of Jerusalem. And when the shepherds received this announcement, if they weren't the very ones looking after these sacrificial lambs, they well would have understood this reference to the Passover lambs, how precious they were, how they needed to be handled and cared for. Some scholars say that the sheep about to give birth, the ewes were brought into the lower floor of this tower of the flock. And as they were born, shepherds trained by priests would carefully examine the lambs to make sure they were free of any defect or blemish. They even go to say that part of this practice involved perfect lambs laid in a manger lined with hay to keep their limbs from being bruised or broken and wrapped in cloth to protect them. Passover lambs must be unblemished with no bruise or broken bone. The miracle sign the shepherds heard announced by angels that the Saviour Messiah, Christ the Lord was here, was a baby born and wrapped and laid just like a perfect Passover lamb would be. With this in mind, listen again to Luke's account of the story with the shepherds. The angel says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Isn't that incredible? These shepherds who had the holy calling of, or at least knowing about this certification of the Passover lamb may well have been the same shepherds who came to see and verify the angel's announcement that a saviour was finally here. Certainly not the way you would expect a king to arrive. But they recognized immediately that the baby lying, wrapped in a manger, was no ordinary baby. He was God's redemption plan unfolding. The Lamb of God who would give his life as the final sacrifice for sin, which would end all temple sacrifice. Do you recall John the Baptist's words when he laid eyes on Jesus? In chapter one of Luke, just before this story, Luke includes this incredible story of Zechariah the priest. And I kind of wonder if John the Baptist, the son of Zechariah the priest, was remembering the story these shepherds told. 
I wonder if they shared it with the priests of that time. That a Passover lamb is here, the Savior is really here. And I wonder if the story was retold at every Passover. Their expectation that, is this the year that the sacrificial, the real sacrifice will come? I wonder if they lived in this anticipation. And then in the very first chapter of John, we hear John the Baptist exclaim as he lays eyes on Jesus coming to be baptized. He says, you know it well, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Apostle Peter put it for us this way. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. This was Jesus. At Christmas, we celebrate the love of God to send Jesus into the world, but his intentional plan and purpose right from the beginning was that this little baby would indeed come as our savior to deal with the problem of our sin and guilt and the path of destruction that leads us down. This shepherd king has finally come to restore relationship with our heavenly father so that we could know his voice and find life in him. This is love, church. That Jesus would, ta- would not only sacrifice his position and his power to take on humanity, but that he would give his life as a perfect sacrifice in our place so that we could be set free from the slavery of sin and death and find life in relationship with him. Simply by placing our faith and trust in him, believing that he is who he says he is and receiving this good news. The greatest news of all eternity was entrusted to shepherds. God chose them to be the first ones to receive this news because he knew that in their humility and simplicity, they were the ones ready to receive it. And they wouldn't miss the wonder and awe of what was taking place at this birth. They wouldn't miss the significance of the promises that were being fulfilled in that moment. I just love their responsive hearts here too. They heard the good news and immediately they left to find Jesus for themselves. This journey is one that God extends to every single one of us. And wherever you are at on that journey, don't give up finding Jesus. Don't give up looking for him. When they found Jesus, it was an encounter that was too amazing not to share. And in this season, we have an incredible opportunity to to share this story of Jesus' birth. 
God has opened us, opened up to us a way again this year to hold our Christmas lights and Christmas services. And we are so thankful, so grateful. And this story is meant to provoke more than just a warm, fuzzy feeling of, oh, that's nice. It's meant to move us to a place of recognizing that this Jesus is the one who came into the world to save you and to save me. It's good news for all people. We want all people to hear it. It's the best news that there has ever been and ever will be. It's a personal encounter with the living Savior that we want everyone to know. That joy and peace is possible. That forgiveness of sin is available. That life and hope can be ours in him. This is love. If you are here this morning and you've not yet encountered the love of Jesus, then don't give up. Open yourself to receive it. This word is for you this morning. And if you know this love, know, you know that it's too good not to share. And I don't want to pressure people or force anything this morning, but maybe you could just ask God today for one person, one person this week that you could share this message with, one person maybe that you could invite along to the Christmas lights or a Christmas service. I put some cards down the front again. Maybe, maybe just ask God who that person is. It could be a neighbor. It could be someone at the dog park. It could be someone in Coles. It could be a family member that you long to know the freedom and, and love of Jesus for. Whoever that is, we wanna pray into these people, pray into this season. We've been praying already for these ones who matter to God, the ones he's longing to draw into him. I cannot count how many testimonies I hear in the foyer of this church, the people I meet, where their story starts, I came along to Christmas lights. Maybe that's you sitting in here today. We wanna hear more of those stories, church, more encounters with Jesus as we invite people to come. The simple and humble opportunities to share this message do not in any way attract from the importance and power of it. Hear that this morning. It might just seem so simple to, do, to hand out an invitation but it doesn't minimize the importance of this message. And if the Christmas story is actually anything to go by, sometimes great works of God are taking place quietly and in hidden away locations with people you might not expect. God is the one who uses ordinary everyday people and events and involves them in his extraordinary and special work that he is doing, that he is unfolding. Let us join the shepherds this morning in praise and wonder and the glory of who Jesus is. Let's bow in prayer. Jesus, we thank you for love. We thank you that you came to show us 
what love is. We thank you that you came to reach out to us, God, to go after us and draw us into the extraordinary encounter of you, your presence and who you are. And Lord, in, in moments like these, we, we are so unworthy, we are so ordinary. And yet you, Jesus, came to us right in that place and revealed yourself as our Saviour King. And Lord, it is your blood that covers us this morning. Your blood who enables us to enter the throne room of grace. It is in the confidence of who you are, Jesus, and what you have done for us, your people, that we stand and ask, Lord, that these ones we love, these ones we know, would also be drawn into your kingdom, into relationship with you. to unfold your plan for your people in this place we ask. Open up the heavens, God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, we are going to stand and praise with the enthusiasm and the gusto of the shepherds hearing this story for the first time. The heavens open this morning. The angels join us in worship today. Let's praise His name. All hail King Jesus.
taking it by faith this morning. Let's grab these cards, pray with faith for our Christmas. Let's do that. Oh Lord, we just thank you, we honour you, we worship you, Lord. Thank you that you're our King and your kingdom is one of light and love, great God. Grace, compassion, healing, forgiveness, great God. This is who you are, our King, and we honour you and we worship you. Lord, we pray for these invitations that are going to go out this week, Lord. Our heart's desire, I know many are praying for loved ones, family members, friends, work colleagues, Lord. You hear these prayers again this morning. Lord, I really believe with all my heart that you long to move this Christmas in a powerful way, drawing many to yourself, revealing the message, the true message of Christmas, Lord. Breakthrough, we pray. 
And so, Lord, as these invitations go out, the letterbox drops go out, Lord, we pray there'd be just some amazing God conversations that would take place, appointments that you put together, opportunities that you would open up, Lord, that we'd have these, just be ready, Lord, we'd be open just to invite someone along, a simple invitation to share with them our own stories of what you've done in our hearts, we pray. And so, Lord, move powerfully, we pray this Christmas, we ask, we pray this in Jesus' mighty and powerful name. Everyone said, amen. Please be seated. Don't forget, as you leave, our Christmas um, letterbox drops are there, ready to go. Grab those. If you want prayer, our prayer team will be down the front here as well. Our Connections Lounge is open up the back there. If you're new this morning, you'd like to meet some others, be coming for a little while, head there to our lounge as well. But God bless you. Look forward to sharing with you again soon.